Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. I invite you to join in the prayer of illumination found in your bulletin. God of generations past and generations to come, you have shown your faithfulness to all those who have called upon your name and put their trust in you. As we turn to the witness of your saints, help us hear your word with them. Speak, Lord, for your servants listen. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our scripture this morning comes to us from Acts chapter 2 and Romans 12. Hear now these words from Acts beginning in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. From Paul's letter to Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God indeed. Let us pray. God of all ages, we are only who we are because of those who've come before us and those who now stand beside us. Today we give thanks for the saints, both departed and living, who have breathed the Holy Spirit into our lives. We know that your desire for us is community, and we give thanks for this community and for the opportunities we have to deepen our relationship with you, one another, and ourselves in this journey of faith together. Amen. Good morning, church. I'm Pastor Corey, and today, as Pastor Adam mentioned, is All Saints Sunday. And All Saints is a happy day, or more so a joyous day, a time when we give thanks, even if we feel the tinge of grief for those we miss. We give thanks for the ways that they shaped and formed us and now and now have now moved on to victory. We give thanks for and celebrate the great resurrection hope we have in Jesus Christ. And this morning is also Communion Sunday. So we're going to gather around this table and have a meal together. 
the most sacred and nourishing meal that has ever been served. You will come forward to this table, a table you belong at, that you have a place at. And after you come forward and receive the bread and the cup, you're invited to light a candle in honor or memory of a saint in your life. Someone who has made a difference in your faith walk and who has shaped and molded you into the disciple you are today. So we will dine together and we will give thanks for the saints in our lives. Because that is what we do. That is what the saints have taught us to do. In our passage today from Acts, the apostles teach us what a life formed in Christ looks like. In verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And day by day, the Lord added to their numbers. They devoted themselves. What are you devoted to in your life? I don't do this often, but the Greek here is proskerterontes. Literally means toward being steadfast to attending to constantly. They attended to these things constantly. The apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, fellowship, praying. What are you devoted to in your life? Think about the things people mention when they use that word, I'm devoted to my children. I'm devoted to my team, even though they are the Panthers. I'm devoted to my work. What do you attend to constantly? And why? What draws you to that devotedness? This week, we're continuing our sermon series on the five aspects of fruitful congregations. Our first Sunday, we did passionate worship. Last Sunday, we did radical hospitality. And today fits so nicely with all saints in communion because it is about intentional faith development. Intentional faith development. How and to what are we devoting ourselves? Because what we devote ourselves to shapes and forms who we are. The Reverend Tish Warren writes in her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, how we spend our minutes is how we spend our lives. How we spend our minutes is how we spend our lives. How are we being shaped and formed as disciples? How are we spending our lives? And I mention all these things that we might be able to characterize ourselves as devoted to because in the book that we are using as a guide to this series, the author has a wonderful line. He writes that everybody wants to want to study the Bible. Everybody wants to want to study the Bible, but we struggle with it. I mean, some people are able to do it, and congratulations, that is wonderful. But many of us struggle. We want to want to study the Bible. And we should. Please study your Bible. But you know what's interesting? For most of Christian tradition, one of two things has actually prevented folks from studying the Bible on their own or reading the Bible on their own. One, we know, is that the Bible wasn't translated in, into anything but Greek or Latin until the 16th century. And until the 16th century, there wasn't any way to get a, a copy easily because the printing press wasn't invented. So before that, do you know how Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers? They did it together in community. 
They did it by simply being together. Before the New Testament was formed as we know it today, the disciples were still Christians. They did it together. Worship, communion. And sometimes they didn't understand a single word being spoken. But they still gathered for fellowship and were led through worship and communion. And I know we're grateful our tradition has changed so that we have more direct access to God's word for ourselves. Most of us have access to a Bible. And if you do not have a Bible, we would love to give you one. So please let us know. And I know you're excited that you can actually understand what I'm saying, even if I talk a little fast sometimes. We're grateful to understand as we celebrate worship and we participate in communion. But I tell you this because I think sometimes we measure our discipleship by how much we do or do not study the Word of God. And studying the Word of God is important. It'll transform your life. But it is not the only way we are shaped and formed into disciples. Because no matter what access or lack of access we have had within the church, there is one aspect of our faith development that has never, ever changed, that has sustained us. It's community. The gathered body, the priesthood of all believers, doing life together. It has always been what sustained and encouraged our discipleship. And it was established by Jesus to be that way. Jesus' mission is not a solo mission. One of the very first things Jesus does as he begins his ministry is he calls together a group of 12 people. So he's not going to do this alone. Jesus knew they were going to need each other because he wouldn't always be with them physically. They were going to need each other to hold one another accountable, to encourage one another, to hold one another up when they failed, to challenge each other. Jesus' model of ministry is one that says we belong to each other. We are entrusted with one another's care. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we weep with those who weep. We're the body of Christ, and we are now the word made flesh in this world. And if one of us suffers, we all suffer. And if one of us celebrates, it is all our joy. I think about Peter having denied Jesus three times the night before his crucifixion. Being so ashamed, scripture tells us that he went out and wept bitterly. Well, someone brought him back to the fold because he was with the other disciples on Easter morning and back fishing with them when they witnessed Jesus on the beach. Someone convinced Peter that denial was not his identity, that he still belonged to them, that he was still a part of the body that he'd been called to be a part of. They needed each other. And I think about Thomas in John's gospel. The disciples tell Thomas, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas says, I can't. I cannot believe it unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in his side. I will not believe. A week later, a week later, Guess who's still hanging out with his best friends when Jesus shows up? They didn't kick Thomas out. Even though he said, I will not believe. 
They made room for him, and guess what? That space enabled him to find the answers and the assurance that he needed. In the presence of that community, Jesus came and met Thomas right where Thomas was amongst his friends, the disciples. Could you imagine if the disciples had set a hard boundary and said, sorry, Thomas, you got to go. The community of faith is powerful. It can make us, and it can break us. We see that brokenness right now. Breaks my heart. I know it breaks God's heart to see his best friends fail to live into that biblical mandate of unity and love of one's neighbor. The community of disciples can serve as stumbling blocks to each other on our worst day. And we can serve as building blocks for one another on our best. I believe, I think we have experienced that best day in this place at Orange. I know we've experienced bad days too, and we're never above failure or reproach. But hopefully we are striving more toward building toward building one another up and forming and shaping each other into the disciples that God has called each and every one of us to be. And that building up of one another, that shaping, that formation, it takes intention. It takes devotion. It takes a commitment to one another. It takes constantly attending to. I've witnessed that building up of one another here. We have wept with each other in hospital rooms and waiting rooms. We have held each other in the darkest days one could endure. We have prayed for miracles, and we have witnessed some. In others, we've surrendered to the mystery of God. We've rejoiced with one another in celebrations of birth, in weddings, in graduations, in baptisms, and today we will hold one another as we remember and grieve and celebrate the saints that have gone on to eternal life. This fellowship, this community, it shapes us, it forms us more and more into the image of Christ. Because when we show up for one another as the body of Christ, we bear the image of Jesus for that person. We are the very presence of God in one another's lives. Now, I've told this story before, but I think about it so often. A pastor that I knew had a couple in his church who worshiped regularly, and they lost their young son. And after the funeral, loved and supported by that congregation, they returned to worship. But the pastor noticed that when the hymns were being sung, they didn't stand. And when the prayers were being prayed, they didn't say anything. And this went on for weeks and then months, and then the pastor started getting worried. Thought maybe he'd done something wrong to upset them. And so he finally asked as they were leaving worship one Sunday, why do you not stand or participate in worship anymore? And the couple responded. They looked back towards the pews, and they said, you know, we just can't sing, and we just can't pray right now, but they can. They can, and so for now, we will let them sing for us, and we will let them pray for us, and one day, when we're able to sing and pray, 
Hopefully we can do the same for someone else. We need each other. This world is so lonely. That's why Jesus humbled himself and came to be one among us, so that none of us would have to walk this path alone. And we are now Jesus's very body. We walk this path of discipleship together so no one has to walk it alone. Give thanks for the ones who have made sure you are not walking alone. And ask yourself, who are the ones you are making sure do not have to walk alone? It takes devotion. It takes intention. Faith development, deepening our relationship with God and with one another and with ourselves, it doesn't happen without our active participation. So what does that look like for you? How are you being formed and shaped here at Orange? How is your faith being deepened within this community? If I look to scripture and the history of Christian tradition and I think about my own experiences, Christians are made in community. We bear witness to one another's baptism and then we gather together at this table. We're not meant to live this life alone. So I encourage you to find your place here. Maybe that's in a small group study. I know we have several. Rick teaches, Doris Click leads one, Pastor Adam, myself, Jean Barr leads one on Wednesdays. Contact the church office. Let them know you want to be a part of one of those ongoing studies or you want to join a Sunday school class during our 10 o'clock hour. Maybe your community is through an outreach ministry or music ministry or youth ministry or children's ministry. I can't make this up. On the way to church this morning, Ephraim was in the back seat, and we were listening to music, and then out of nowhere, he goes, hey, Mom, how did Jesus get dead? And I thought, it's gonna, my work day's starting early. So I began to think, and he goes, bullies got him, didn't they? And they hooked him to the cross. And that's why everybody's got crosses now. But he came out of the cave on Easter. I was like, well, good job. You uh, saved me some work. I said, yes. Well, guess what? He's five. He cannot read. So he is being shaped and formed in this place. He's a disciple. He knows. He told me, Jesus is in our hearts. (laughs) Shaped and formed. Maybe that's part of nurture team or welcoming team, but you have a place here, a place to be formed and shaped and nurtured into becoming more and more of God who, has, who, who God has called you to be. Now, Romans 12 reminds us, we are made to be in community. For as in one body, we have many members, and not all members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually, we are members one of another. We are members one of another. We belong to each other. We are entrusted with one another's care to welcome, to nurture, to encourage, to love, to form each other. I began this sermon by sharing that today is all saints and communion, and it's so special because when we partake of this meal, we are sharing it with every single person in this room and with every single person who has ever broken bread and received the cup in the name of Jesus. Every apostle, every saint, every teacher in your own life, this table is a formative place. 
It reminds us, because at this table, there is only one host, Jesus Christ. No one is regarded as any higher than any other, for we all partake of the one loaf and the one cup. We come together to be reminded of who we are in Jesus Christ, and we come with Peter, who denied Jesus. We come with Thomas, who refused to believe until he touched the wounds. We come with the widow. We come with the rich. We come with the selfish. We come with each other. Believing that this table has something to offer us that the world cannot. A community that is for us. A community that is for us even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we cannot find the words to pray. Even when we cannot sing the hymns. We sing for each other. We pray for each other. We hold each other. And we make room at the table for each other. Remembering the saints who made room at the table for us. May you know that you have a seat here today. And may you invite someone to sit next to you. Let us pray. God of all ages, we remember the great ancestors of our faith, from Abraham and Sarah to Paul and Phoebe, ancestors of the faith. We remember you. We remember the prophets and priests, the ministers and teachers who have taught us the way of God. Teachers of the faith, we remember you. We remember our grandparents and parents, aunts and uncles, those who've gone before us in our lifetime, family of our faith. We remember you. We lift up the memories of children and grandchildren, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives and parents whose lives have ended too soon. Those close in our heart, we remember you. We lift up to you, O oh God, the names of those we have lost in this past year from our lives, knowing that they are with your heart forever. As we read these names, we will pause after every name to remember, pray, and give thanks for their life. Judith Harrell, Elaine Sutton, We celebrate the lives of those we have named, O oh God, and lift up many more names in our hearts. Family of God, we remember you and we honor you. We know you are with us in the spirit of worship and at this table, you will not be forgotten. We give thanks, O oh God, for all who have joined and gone on to be with you beyond this life. We trust in the hope of resurrection and the promise of new life in Christ, and know that in our grief and celebration, O oh God, 
You are with us through it all, and we are not left alone. In the name of Christ, in whom love lives forever, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.